Before we begin today's episode, we wanted to give you a trigger warning as we discuss sexual abuse, sexual assault, racial discrimination, and homophobia as it pertains to the ongoing scandal involving the Chicago Blackhawks and the aftermath of a report that details Kyle Beach being sexually abused by video coach Brad Aldridge. We hope you enjoy the discussion. On with the show. Welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As usual, I'm one of your two co-hosts, Matthew, and joined with me is my other co-host, Michael. And let's just dress off the top of the bat that it's been a, it's been a hot minute since the last episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's been a it's been a minute. Um, honestly, we were just talking about this. Uh, it's it's getting really busy. We've talked about this in a few of the previous episodes. Um, you know, life has been getting busy. Uh, our careers have been getting busy. You know, um, things are in a good way. I mean, that's all we wanted was to uh, you know, get get more work in this industry and then uh i guess kind of see things take off so you know being able to see uh our our jobs take off a little more is 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 great to see and and we're not forgetting about the podcast at all though we we still love doing this podcast uh it's just probably going to be a little more uh spaced out uh when 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 we're able to schedule time for it um within the season so uh don't think we're forgetting about the podcast at all Mm -hmm. it's just uh it's just a matter of scheduling so now it might not be as frequent and consistent as it used to be but yeah um we still love this podcast we still love doing it and we have a uh, a very 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 special episode today um after coming back from this break uh it's honestly a very a very important uh episode with uh very important topics to cover so yeah yeah, exactly. And just to reiterate, like, uh, it's not just our, our professional lives that have gotten us busy. It's been our personal lives as well. Yeah. And uh, we're doing our best to keep up to the podcast as much as we can. Um, I know we've said in the past, uh, it'll be, we're back to one episode a week, but then we, too much time would go by. So we'll, that's what we want to reiterate at the top that um, we'll get to these podcasts as soon as we're able to. It sometimes will probably be a month in between, maybe more, it depends, but Rest assured, uh, this podcast is not going anywhere. We're going to be still turning out a pod- an episode as often as we can. And what better time to come back to? Because uh, as Matthew said, there's a very big and important story. And now it'll soon be evolving to more stories that we need to discuss. Yeah, I mean, let's just jump into it right away. Uh, we we want to keep this episode very concise, very uh, straight to the point. Um, like I said, some very sensitive topics, uh, a little trigger warning right now. We are going to be talking about uh, sexual assault and uh, those topics. And so if you would like to keep listening, um, that is the uh, trigger warning. But we will be sticking to the facts um, as uh, they've been reported so far. Um, and we will be talking about, as m- most most people listening to this will know, the uh, big story in the news in the hockey world has been the Chicago Blackhawks scandal. We've been following along with it on this podcast for the last few months, I believe dating back to around July. And the case has taken, uh, I guess, a, a big a big turn uh, recently. Um, a lot more has been reported. Um, Michael's going to tell us more about that now. 
Yeah. It's been uh, quite an uneventful uh, few weeks, actually a few months even. We've been to, on this story, or at least been paying attention to it since uh, it first came to light uh, around uh, July of this year. Um, as I'm sure you all know by now, there was a sexual abuse uh, lawsuit that was filed against the Chicago Blackhawks because of a former player that uh, was uh, sexually abused by a video coach by the name of Brad Aldrich. Um it was a very graphic and uh, disturbing uh, story when the, the reports came out about what happened and how the team dealt with it. And just seeing that uh, the, some of the players, like a lot of the players knew what was going on and didn't do anything about it. And um, uh, I mean, there was attention given to this story, but I don't think a lot of attention was given to it because, um, again, it was still an ongoing investigation and we only knew so many details and only one or I think it was Rick Rusthead of TSN and Katie Sprang of The Athletic were the only two reporters that were actually covering that story in full detail. And the Steve Dangle podcast, I know, was uh, doing some coverage of it, but that was really about it. So we didn't really know a lot about this story. And so last week, the report from the independent investigator, Jenner and Block, came out with a 107-page report on this uh <clears throat> accusation by uh, John Doe and uh, there's actually multiple John Doe's and John Doe recently came forward to be Kyle Beach who was a former first round pick of the Blackhawks organization I believe he was drafted 11th overall in 2008 and uh, strangely enough his career never turned out I wonder why <laughs> I, I'm, that's not a great joke but what I'm trying to get at is um, the invested the details of the report are very damning are very troubling I, it was a very tough read, reading exactly what happened to him and the lies that Brad Aldrich gave in trying to make himself clear of it. And then seeing how the likes of Stan Bowman, Joe Quenville, Kevin Dayoff, and the other Blackhawks upper management knew about this, were told about it clearly, and chose not to do anything about it because they valued team chemistry over helping the life of one... the the life of one of their of their players like just think about that for a second you're getting all worked up about f from team chemistry about a video coach like how messed up is hockey culture that mm -hmm. joel quenville one of the winningest coaches in nhl history cares more about the team chemistry and not letting a not firing a actual sex sexual predator inside the organization than making sure that one of their own players even though he has yet to play an nhl game to that point Make sure that they're safe and they're looked after. Like, it's no wonder that everyone was rightfully upset at the team, at the management, at Joel Quenville, at Stan Bowman, at the league, at the NHLPA. Everyone failed Kyle Beach. And it was an absolute travesty to watch him break down in tears. And it made my heart sink when he said to Rick Westhead, I'm sorry. Kyle Beach does not need to apologize for anything. The fact of the matter is, is that this entire ordeal could have been easily avoided, avoided if the Blackhawks management team, if even just one of them, those guys said, this is wrong. What are we doing here? We got to do something about this. We can't just push this back. And the fact of the matter is they didn't. By doing that, they were able to let Brad Aldrich celebrate with the Stanley Cup, get a, stamp, get a ring, get his name on it, celebrate with the players with Kyle Beach in attendance 
And he was able to walk off scot-free, get another job, and not only did he was able to sexually abuse another player with another organization, he did it with a Blackhawks intern. Like, this is just a completely disastrous story, an extremely bad look for the NHL. It's as worse, the worst it's ever been. And frankly, I just don't know how you can the NHL can recover from this without seeing a lot of the big names go. And it starts from the top down. Yeah, I mean, you summarized it pretty much perfectly. You uh, nailed the exact feelings I had, especially about um, the feelings felt watching Kyle Beach's interview. That was simply heartbreaking, and he does not need to apologize for anything, for the abuse that he suffered at the hands of the Chicago Blackhawks and Brad Aldrich. But like you said, um, it starts from the top really as well because the Chicago Blackhawks and the NHL did not do anything to help him out. I mean, they let it pretty much sit for 10 years until it was uncovered now due to a lawsuit and a case surrounding it. Um, otherwise, like you said, um, you know, Stan Bowman, Joel Quenville, um, and, and other various Blackhawks organization members and league, of, uh, you know, executives, um, went on for 10 years as if nothing happened. And that really is a huge, huge problem. And it, it's a problem that could have been avoided and should have been avoided from the very beginning. Um, and like you said, I also want to talk about, um, I know you, you mentioned, oh, like it was kind of a bad joke that you made, but no, I think the, obviously used it, the sarcastic tone they used it is to point to and really emphasize the, um, the real, I would say the toxicity of hockey culture where, um, especially like you said, his, his, he was a first round pick and his career didn't pan out. And oftentimes hockey culture. And I think again, going back to, you know, the, the privilege of winning, which I'll, uh, and the privilege of playing, which I'll, I'll talk about after when we link it to other issues in, in hockey culture as well that we've seen this year. Um, it, it was so easy for them to pass on and for fans to pass on this player because, you know, originally he would have been seen as a bust, but behind the scenes, he, his career was so unfairly um, ruined because of what he had to suffer and the abuse he had to endure through, well, because of the Blackhawks organization. Um, so again, he's not to blame for any of that. And, uh, it's, it's very, very unfortunate. And yeah, going back to the, um, to the, the interview, it was just absolutely heartbreaking. It was so sad. And, um, you know, like everyone who's, uh, involved really should be held accountable. And that'll kind of lead into my next, uh, our next topic and question involving this is, uh, you know, we saw Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville step down. Um, kind of controversially because Joel Quenville got to still play I well I mean not play but coach a another game with the Panthers before stepping down even after you know there were calls for his firing after the investigation um mm -hmm. and also I think the fact that they stepped down rather than you know being fired I think that is important to highlight I I know I 
again, I'm not an expert on the, I guess, the legality or technicalities of the process, um, but it does speak sentiments about how, about consequences as well, that kind of having the privilege to step down as opposed to being fired, even if they have the same result, I think it, it speaks about the the effect of consequences in a situation like this. But, um, you know, they eventually, of course, lost their positions as they should. And like you said, it starts from the top down and everyone involved should be held accountable and really shouldn't be working in hockey anymore. We'll be talking about that more. But moving into the second topic, the big one was Kevin Dayoff, who was the assist- assistant general manager during the Blackhawks um, 2010 Stanley Cup winning season. He then was hired by the, um, uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it was immediately after, but he became the Winnipeg Jets um, general manager. Uh, I believe it was the following season, but I'll have to double check that. But mm-hmm. he is now currently the Winnipeg Jets general manager. And for his part, the NHL concluded that um, basically that it wasn't um, sufficient you know, amount of uh, contribution that he contributed to the whole um, situation and case, even though he was the assistant general manager of the entire organization that was abusing, that had a huge part in abusing um, Kyle Beach. So like you said, it starts from the top and I just want to know your thoughts on him basically getting a pass from the league on that. Very tough because I think the obvious answer is the one that the NHL didn't do, which is that they should have fired Kevin Sheffield Day off because he was part of that meeting. Even though he was an assistant GM, which is not as high of a position as some of the others in that meeting, it was still high enough of a position that he was given full knowledge and uh, awareness of what happened. And he did nothing about it. Like, that's a failure of leadership and a failure to act. Because Kevin Shevoldale has been like this for a while. Uh, around the time that um, these uh, meetings uh, were becoming uh, public knowledge, and that Joel Quenville, who shouldn't have coached that game, by the way, which we already know, um, a, Lou, a, a story from uh, about Kimalu came out where he basically mm-hmm. said that uh, when Akimalu, like had some problems with Kevin Shevoldale, which actually, believe it or not, the Akimalu story happened in the same season as this one with Kyle Beach. Like, that should just speak to how toxic and awful the Blackhawks organization was at that time. And definitely still is. Mm-hmm. Or at least up until uh, they finally made the much-needed changes that were long overdue. But as I was saying, Akimalu basically said, no hard feelings, uh, Kevin. Just tell me what you need me to do, and I'll, I'll work with you. And Kevin Sheveldale basically said something to the lines of, we don't have a place in the organization for you. And nothing else. Like, what kind of a man is that? Like, I do not want to be playing for a team with a guy like that. Like, I don't understand how the Winnipeg Jets can sit there, seeing what happened, knowing that he was part of that uh, meeting, and knowing he had full knowledge of the, of, of the situation and could have done something about it, but chose not to. That is not a leader. That is a coward. And Kevin Sheveldayoff should not be with the Winnipeg Jets anymore. He really should not. And I'm surprised that he got away with it and that he's still going to be the GM of the team. If someone on that organization had a spine, 
they would have fired him, regardless of what happened with that meeting. Because that just speaks better to uh, what kind of a league we want to be going forward. Well, one that's progressive, one that uh, helps victims of, of sexual abuse or, what, or racial abuse or whatever have you to come forward and tell their stories. And <clears throat> it also comes from the top, as I was saying. And I'm alluding to this, uh, I was kind of alluding to this uh, throughout my first uh, rant. Is that, well, one, the NHLPA's director, I think is Donald Fair, is probably going to see his uh, time and the position come to an end. He'll probably get uh, a, a vote of non-confidence, if that's what they call it. I'm not too sure. He'll be gone. But I also think that that has to extend to Gary Bettman as well, because his press conference yesterday was nothing short of a disaster. It was absolutely horrendous. He did not give the leaks any favors. And he once again, he was the latest in a line of uh, people in hype, in positions of power and influence that failed Kyle Beach. And he did not um, do well in answering any questions. A lot of reporters have more questions than answers. And the worst of it all is that Rick Westhead, the reporter mm -hmm. who did his darndest to get this story, uh, the recognition. Yeah, he and, led the charge. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he didn't get asked a question until much later on in the press the press conference, like actually towards the end. And when one of his colleagues, Pierre Lebrun, kind of forced the NHL's hand, it's like, hey, what are you guys doing? You're kind of silencing the guy that did all the work. So it's just another line of succession that these higher ups just are hoping to sweep this under the rug and make it go away. Yeah. And the investigation with, with the Blackhawks, apparently they want to silence Kyle Beach and make give him a settlement to just back off. Like, I'm sorry. Everyone has looked really bad in the higher-up positions of power. It's just been a very bad look for the NHL, the Blackhawks, and all those key members that I've, people that I've mentioned. All of them have to go. None of them should be staying in their jobs anymore. And I pass this question off to you, Nick, or Matthew. Um, do you think it's time for Gary Bedman to step down as commissioner? I do think so. I think, uh, I honestly do think that it's just been I like I don't want to say it's it's not it's, it's obviously a lot more than just the negative attention that's been kind of surrounding this whole thing obviously it's not just that it's it's more so the um the failure to actually do the right thing in such an important um an important situation right like and again I'll apologize for not being able to I guess get the exact words for my thoughts right now, but uh, uh, the gist of it is because, you know, just the terrible, the terrible, terrible um, handling of this situation and not just the situation. Um, like we've spoken on this podcast so often about the toxic culture of hockey and the NHL's, um, I guess, enabling of that, toxic culture and how they don't really do anything to fix it at all and you know i i i i watched on hometown hockey uh tara sloan's uh she did a great um she shared her thoughts like really good thoughts on this situation in a, in a really good way um and it's i believe it's on her twitter as well um but like she said um hockey and the nhl has always been uh, a league to follow rather than lead in the footsteps of what to do, what is right to do. And oftentimes they fall short on 
what is right to do. And just this year, um, and, and going back to last year, just these last two years with um, Akeem Alou and then being handled um, unfavorably, just being handled not well and even more so than we saw just a couple months ago, um, the Montreal Canadiens drafting Logan uh, Mayu even after being charged for um, sharing sexual photos against consent and still being a for you know a first round draft pick and on top of that not you know not really having to face any consequence any real consequences he still is a Habs prospect um they didn't renounce the pick the team still gets to keep the pick um there's no attention brought onto um the issue of sexual assault or abuse or the victim at all no help um simply and this is what i was talking about the privilege of playing being a hockey player things like that um the privilege that the team and the player got to experience just simply because they are a sports team that has a talented player that somehow that privilege allows them to sweep so much under the rug and not be accountable for so much and we saw that pretty much be fumbled by the nhl and now this um it's just how can you not say that one hockey culture is absolutely broken and two that the nhl has not been handling any of this well at all at all and then uh, so that was my kind of thoughts on that and then going back to the presser i just want to read some uh this is from rick westhead uh as we mentioned as and as michael mentioned he is the he was kind of the leading reporter for this whole um black hawk scandal this whole case investigation he did most of the reporting kind of blew it open and yet like like michael said the nhl is kind of shunning him out in hopes to sweep this whole thing under a rug and um, yeah, he wasn't asked, he, or he wasn't given, he wasn't called upon to ask a question until a colleague basically called the league out for not letting him ask a question. And then when he did, um, the presser, the answers were just not, they were just not right. Like, um, I'm just going to read straight up like his tweets, some of the tweets that he tweeted out. He said he pointed out to Gary Bettman that while the Blackhawks Black Hawks were fined $2 million for abuse cover-up, the Arizona Coyotes lost draft picks over improperly working out a prospect. And also the New Jersey Devils were fined $3 million. That's a whole million dollars more than what the Blackhawks were fined for a salary cap violation. And what Bettman said, he said, different context, different facts. <laughs> I, there's, there's some more. Let me just scroll a bit here. He asked Bettman if the NHL will publicly commit to providing counseling to the former high school player who was abused by Aldrich and his, his family. Batman said the league needs more information and won't make that commitment right now. He, For further context for that, um, Westhead mentions, Brett Aldrich was sentenced to nine months in jail in 2014 for abusing John Doe, that former high school player. 
He's also Aldrich is also a registered sex offender. So he basically says Gary Bettman saying he needs more info before committing to that care um, is pretty, you know, um, pretty wrong. It's straight up wrong, right? Like, um, the, the facts are there. Um, so it's kind of like a take what you will type of situation um, out of that tweet, but it, it's just straight up wrong. And then mm -hmm. uh, let me just see. I think here we go. He also asked Gary Bettman if he supports the Blackhawks attempts, even after the team apologized to Kyle Beach to dismiss Kyle's lawsuit. Bettman said, I don't think it's appropriate for me to comment on whether the lawsuit has merit. Now, obviously, these things read as the NHL and Gary Bettman doing their, like I said, I'm not an expert on the legal process side of things, so I can't speak too much on that, but it definitely does sound like or seem like they are trying to be very um, closed off in commenting due to the legal process of things. Um, but just in general, what are your thoughts on that? It's, I was like shaking my head, doing a bunch of face palms and cringing at a lot of his answers because it speaks to me like a lawyer. And that's what Gary Bettman was uh, before the NHL, and I think even before when he was working with the NBA. He's a lawyer. And lawyers do not uh, answer, for the, like, give like great answers in, in that kind of situation. Like a defendant lawyer would not really give you much information. Um, it's just, it just adds to the further frustration that a lot of people, both that are fans of the hockey or working in hockey, might be feeling about Gary Bettman and the league as a whole is that they haven't done enough to help people and make them feel like that not only are their concerns being addressed and recognized and that they will be looked after, but that there will be concrete and uh, serious efforts made to make sure that situations like this do, will never happen again. When I listened, when I listened to read all those quotes and read some, some articles that came in the wake of it, um, like one of them was from Mike Stevens, a great read, by the way, I left, I'm left with more questions than answers, and I'm still thinking that something like this is going to happen again. Like, these kind of situations have been at the forefront of the NHL since Gary Bettman has taken over in 1993. Like, you cannot tell me that um, the NHL, while it has grown in size, while it has made a lot of money, that's, that's indisputable, and that's a fact, that there's been a lot of bad press for the league. They've, we've had three lockouts, potentially a fourth if things don't go well. Like, who knows if what would happen if the league had an, yet another lockout under his watch. All these uh, bad press stories. Um, this is probably the worst one yet. You have uh, the Logan Mailnox uh, getting drafted by the Montreal Canadiens and still being a part of their organization. Uh, Akima Lu's story, which shows about a, a systemic uh, pro uh, problem in hockey culture of racism. Let's and uh, uh, I was also gonna say let's let's not forget uh with the whole Black Lives Matter movement too, the NHL was very slow to in the end just follow along with what other leagues are doing too. So um I just wanted to point that out. I feel like that is something that adds to that list as well. That's a very good point that you brought up. The NHL are not leaders, they are followers. They will not try and be uh, voices and a movement of change. They will only do if they're when they're kicked and 
kicking and screaming. Like, when they're basically forced to do it. And when they do do it, it's half-assed and it's uh, not sincere. It makes me think that they only are doing it just because it, the people are... They want to just shut people up. Like, the moment of reflection during the uh, bubble last year was a joke. It was absolutely horrendous, and it did not feel sincere enough. Um, and it just, it just comes to show that the NHL just does not want to be... is not a league right now that wants to make people who are, try, who are, try, who are more critical of major corporations and more critical of people uh, in positions of power that abuse that said power and are not held accountable for said actions. And it, it's just it's just a bad look. Like, the NHL has not looked good. And we also have to, we also have to remember, since I was mentioning the racial, uh, like, uh, racial discrimination, like, look no further than last year when the Arizona Coyotes drafted Mitchell Miller when they knew full well that he had a very troubled past he was an, uh, went to jail for racially abusing and uh, bullying a, dis- a, a young disabled kid and did a very grotesque uh, thing to him. And he still gets to play. After all that, he is still playing in the USHL to this very day. Like, he, there's still a chance for him to have an NHL career, a hockey career, which he should not deserve based on his actions and uh, on and off the ice. It just speaks to the bigger problem of what's wrong with hockey culture like hockey as as a whole is flawed inherently flawed and inherently broken does is there some great things about the sport absolutely the sport is awesome and i and that's why we've become fans of it uh, for all these years but the way that the nhl conducts itself and all this the, the stories about the culture surrounding it it just makes it i i totally understand why people want to be turned away from it and don't want to get invested into it and I mean, there's a yet another story that we're going to get to in just a few minutes. Uh, but just hockey culture just needs serious changing. And like I said, the only way you're going to see real change is that there are serious, con- serious consequences for those that failed Kyle Beach. And it starts from the top down. Like, I genuinely think the time is right to, let, to remove Ka- Gary Bettman from the equation and bring someone else in that will not only correct the mistakes, even though it's much too late, but put the league in the right direction and carry it through into the next generation because we are not going to get anywhere. And the NHL is not going to make any significant progress if it remains under Gary Bevan's watch. A hundred percent. And uh, literally like just what you exactly thought are my shared thoughts on this whole situation. And again, like I apologize if my, thoughts right now are going to be like all over the place kind of thing or not worded well it's just like I, there's a lot to think about with such a huge topic and um like you said like we care about this sport so much that the game itself is so great and that we love but the culture the culture of it that has developed is just so broken so so broken and, I, and we both you know, feel very strongly about that. And our podcast has been very, very centered on the issues that surround sports and hockey, especially. Um, It's like, it's, it's no shocker that, you know, hockey is inherently racist, inherently homophobic, inherently misogynistic. It's just the, the, the culture, um, that doesn't always create safe spaces for, um, you know, marginalized communities, marginalized people. Um, it's kind of the 
culture of following the status quo more so than any other sport pretty much um it's not the most diverse sport the ideas in it are not the most diverse and like i said it's uh very closed off into certain ideologies and certain people and uh certain power imbalances and it's very problematic and like you said we we pretty much summed up multiple multiple um you know cases that were just in the span of just these two years and it's not even like I know you mentioned as bad press which it is but it's obviously much more than just bad press like a lockout you know like every commissioner in every league every league is going to go through its problems um and a lockout is kind of like a problem that is again on the financial side of things um that's one thing but like these are human affecting huge you know issues that are way honestly way way they weigh more a lot more than just a simple like a lockout or something it should be weighted more on the fact that this league is unable to protect its players like who cares about a lockout like that's one mistake that a league can do but failing its players and the people in its league i feel like is the worst thing you could do right um Mm -hmm. and and like you said it starts at the top and people need to be held accountable and i mean something i mean just all that happening within the span of two years is already enough and then we can go even farther back to other problems that this league has seen over the last you know whatever 20 25 years 30 um and yeah it's just it's time for change that's all i could say really uh, because we keep calling for change and really nothing is happening in fact it feels like things are getting worse if anything um it's just being blown open even more um and i guess i'll just end it in you know like it does whether you know the nb i mean the nhl yeah they may enable it but in the end inherently it's because of the culture it's just the entire culture it starts from the bottom it works its way to the top and then it the top works its way back to the bottom right Mm -hmm. um so there's no real solution to how to fix it um it's just terrible and like you said it's not a surprise that it's becoming like the sport is not being that attractive to people anymore especially um people in marginalized communities right Mm -hmm. it's just it's not a it has not become a safe space um maybe at various pockets it's a safe space but as a whole the culture is just not a safe space for everyone to feel included right it's a lot of like we were talking about it's a lot of following rather than leading um it's a lot of you know empty words and gestures and not um not real action you know um but before we're, we're gonna wrap this up because uh we have like you alluded to one more case that actually it's so unfortunate we have to talk about another case that just is being reported now but the last question I want to ask is uh, because I feel like it, it has been a big topic with this Blackhawks 
situation is. Now, going back to accountability, a lot of the players have been interviewed about it, and a few of them, uh, a few big ones, especially Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves, have um, kind of passed on the notion or the responsibility of it of the entire situation um i don't have the exact quotes but along the lines of for donkey there was along the lines of that he didn't know and kind of similarly for jonathan taves that at the time now jonathan taves i think i want to talk about him because he is the captain of the blackhawks he was the captain of the blackhawks at the time as well um of the time at the time of their first stanley cup in 2010 for that core um he was i think like 20 22 years old then i believe Mm -hmm. um i believe he became captain either at 19 or 20 as well Mm -hmm. um now i think there's been a lot of discussion about this about how much accountability should he have in my personal opinion I don't think Jonathan Taves should be the captain of the Blackhawks anymore. And I think it talks, I think that the the whole debate is around the whole role of captaincy in hockey in general that now I see so many debates. I've all, we've always seen debates about the role of captaincy. Is he, is a captain, just a captain on the ice? Do they also have to be responsible for off ice things? Um, you know, are they the leader of the whole team's like actions? Um, and then I also see the argument about him being, you know, John Tays being like, I think he was like, yeah, like 20, uh, 20 when he became a captain, let's just say, and again, 22 for that cup run. Um, is that too young to hold him accountable for such a big scope of issues and and things that happen especially if he knew even if he knew what was going on again just because of his age but to that i have to say for for one i'll address the age thing why are teams making a player captain if they're not mature enough to be a leader that can handle all the responsibilities i'll just say it right off the top like my definition of a captain and how i've always seen is that the captain should be the best leader the 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 you know, a, a true leader of a team who will take responsibility for, you know, the whole team's actions and any issues that arise in all aspects of the team, at least maybe not the staff, coaching staff and things, but at least the players. And I don't think the age should matter because why, like going back to what my definition of the captain is, um, I think you know play teams should really choose the the very best captain for the team rather than giving it simply to a player a young player who has the potential to be a captain or has the potential to be a superstar player or you know is a great player um rather than giving it to them simply for that reason and giving it to them you know maybe they are actually that mature and giving it to someone who can actually handle all those responsibilities and are mature enough to handle those responsibilities and giving that should be like a huge being given captaincy should be a huge responsibility and if Jonathan Taves actually did not uh you know or d- did no details of it but did not do anything to help in that situation it falls a lot on his shoulders 
as captain of the team, no matter what his age. Um, that's what the captain should do. So I just want to get your opinions on, obviously that's a whole, just that, that role of captaincy is a big uh, debate discussion in general. But in terms of this situation, I want to get your thoughts on Taves and his accountability and captaincy and the whole age thing as well. A little of that in there too. Well, first of all, I want to say I agree with everything that you mentioned off the top about Jonathan Taves. And I do think he should be tripped of the captaincy because it was a failure of leadership in order to make the room feel safe and make the players feel looked after. Because as I mentioned off the top, there were reports that shortly after this thing took place that Kyle Beach was directed homophobic slurs and uh, discriminatory things thrown his way. Like, basically, in the report, it said, do you miss your boyfriend, Brad? Which is absolutely despicable and horrendous. No player should ever have to go through that. And when he, and to an extension, Patrick Kane, spoke to the media on Wednesday about <clears throat> said... Um, like their accountability, like how they they like what they would do differently. Like they basically just uh, did made it more obvious that they are guilty of being the ones that threw those jabs at Kyle Beach. Like they did not give themselves any favors with those answers. And in all honesty, it just speaks to how toxic that that locker room must have been. There was a picture that was circulating around uh, fairly recently um, from a great account. Uh, by the name of Mitch, Mitch Mar, I think it's like Mar Leland Anderson. I've known her for quite some time. She's always been great. But basically, she pointed out a picture from uh, back when the Blackhawks won their Stanley Cup in the background of a picture with Taves and Kane hoisting the, the trophy. You can see on the whiteboard that somebody wrote beside the words Chris Pronger. Like, it just said Chris Pronger is gay. Like, really? Yeah. It's a it's an absolutely awful photo, and it just speak it just speaks of volumes to just uh, again how bad that locker room culture must have been, and uh, like just it just speaks to it just further confirms that there is very like no like no wonder Kyle Beach felt the way that he did that he felt isolated and he felt alone like barely anyone came to help him like no one in that organization was uh, giving him like some guidance or support. Like, I mean, there was a couple people that cooperated the story and heard him, but, like, the players themselves just, just made him feel like a bag of dirt. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just not right. And I'm sure, as you see in the picture right now, just basically, conf- like, that's just one confirmation of what was for sure a toxic uh, locker room. And it makes you wonder how they were able to do all that and win three Stanley Cups. Like, basically, they only, like, the NHL only care, seems to care if you win. If you are not good then uh bye-bye if you're outspoken bye-bye if you are trying to make the league in a much better spot goodbye like that's just uncalled for and it's because of that that jonathan taze and patrick kane were able to have the careers they have go get away from an unscathed and become these revered players and now they're being exposed for the real people that they are and they're they're horrible people they really are and the fact that they did not give uh, Kyle Beach, any support or any guidance or any like um, just like like help to get through what he went through and just to make him not feel 
like isolated or, or just make just pile on with those chants and it's not right it really isn't so all i'm trying to say here is that i'm corroborating with what matthew's saying jonathan tate should not be the captain of the blackhawks anymore and there should be serious consequences handed out to him and patrick kane and the major leaders of the uh, blackhawks uh, team that uh didn't uh, give him any give, didn't give Cal Beach any support because it just again speaks to how horrible that locker room must have been and how damning it was to Cal Beach's uh, confidence and uh, overall mental uh, mental state that it put him on the path where he ended up becoming a player that uh, played mostly overseas. I I, sh- I honestly genuinely feel bad for Cal Beach. It's 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 honestly awful what he went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and kind of echoing what you said, I mean, just just looking at that photo about the tweet you said, the, the, the locker room photo after they won the Stanley Cup, like it makes me upset and mad and just seeing that like, it's like just a, like it's clearly there. Like there's your example of, you know, toxicity in hockey culture, like right there in and I think it's so, like, it's, 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 it's the, like, the, the, the depth of the photo is even more elevated because it's, like, in the forefront, um, they're, 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 they're celebrating the Stanley Cup in front of that board, and it, it's almost like it, it speaks back to that, um, the privilege of winning and the privilege of being a hockey player that kind of makes all the toxicity, um, be very swept under the rug and pushed to the back um so that's a that's a pretty intense photo but um just like you said um yeah just to close to close thoughts on that it's just yeah how broken hockey culture is um and the players again the whole the whole organization everything of hockey and the nhl and hockey culture just conforms to the status quo and you know like we're seeing now with the debate around his captaincy and everything like it's very hockey loves to build itself up as being this very loyal um sport you know the captaincy itself is supposed to be the stark symbol of being you know the very very good leader who will take everything on and will protect their team and will be held accountable for its problems and to help solve those problems and that's what the culture kind of built builds it up as and the problem is when it doesn't go that way still there's a way that or at least there's a way that culture wants to the the hockey culture wants to make it kind of a non-issue you know yeah so exactly i'm gonna close with that um that's my thoughts on that um but we are sticking to the facts of course and we are still waiting for more reports to come out and more investigation the case to further advance to see how the i guess the responsibilities of players um I guess become more uh, reported, more widely reported. Um, we were going to talk about a lot more on this episode, but I think sticking to this 
topic is more important than just talking about the weekly news of sports this week. So I think we'll end it off on what, once again, I mean, it's just kind of a downer because, but it stays true to the the topic we're talking here on how, just how broken hockey culture Mm -hmm. is. But once again, and let me pull up the information I have for this once again, uh, actually. So as reported here by Greg Wisniewski, um, for ESPN, he is uh, reporting that. So basically, Aaron Scald. Again, um, I sorry if I mispronounce any of the names in this report here. Aaron Scald, the ex-wife of former Wilkes Bar Scranton Penguins assistant coach Jared Scald. So that is um, the Pittsburgh Penguins AHL affiliate. Mm-hmm. Um, she is expected to file a civil lawsuit. Um, detailing alleged sexual assault by ex um, Wilkes Bar Scranton coach, head coach John Clark Donatelli, and it also names the defendants um, as Bill Guerin and Penguins owners Mario Lemieux and uh, Burkle. And I just want to, I just want to get into uh, a little more of the context for that. Um, is that she? Um, is detailing a sexual assault by the head coach of the uh, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins. Um, again, her husband, or I guess her ex-husband um, at the time was the assistant coach or one of the assistant coaches. Um, let me just get the information here uh, just because I'm, I'm just going to try to summarize it. And of course, oh, and the, yeah, the, the owners, uh, it's owned by Mario Mew. And the lawsuit will state that sexual abuse took place on a team road trip to Providence, Rhode Island, on November 11, 2018, and that the team's handling of the incident included Jared being told to keep quiet by organization management, Aaron being called a liar, and never being interviewed as part of the team's investigation, along with Jared being fired from the organization. So once again, again... I'm not an expert on the legal process, but this is being reported right now. They are going to do, I'm guessing, another investigation and the as the suit or as the lawsuit in the case progresses. But as we see here with what is reported and in the lawsuit, um, it sounds like, you know, similarly, a team, an organization trying to sweep something like this under the rug. Um and oh, and here, uh, additionally, the Penguins organization has made public comments to show an utter disregard for the experience of a sexual assault victim, and have re-traumatized her multiple times. So that is, um, in the civil lawsuit, um, that has been reported. So I mean, we'll close with that. Um, I just want to know, I guess, your thoughts. I, I mean, for me, it's just, um, again, like this is news today so um if anything it's just another like yet another unfortunately another um like another case that the nhl um has on their hands that is terrible for hockey culture and just another i guess splitting image of the toxicity of hockey culture mm-hmm. i totally agree with you there man and it's, i really um... hope i really hope that um you know that this plays out favorably for the victims and and 
you know, whoever's supposed to be held accountable is held accountable for what I guess we'll, we'll see once, once more details are reported. Absolutely. And that's what just uh, goes to show that hockey culture is just inherently flawed and needs to be seriously overhauled. When you see stories like that, where the head coach or the assistant coach's wife was sexually assaulted by the head coach of an AHL team, then said team's upper management and the NHL team in question, the Pittsburgh Penguins, basically brushed it under the rug, stepped it aside and said, this is not of our concern. And it appears that uh, the coach was fired mm-hmm. for speaking out. And obviously, this is not the first time that we're hearing of this story. This uh, first came to light uh, back in November of last year when the coach uh, filed a lawsuit to the U.S. District uh, uh, Court of Pennsylvania. And now this is another development in that story with the wife now coming forward and trying to file a lawsuit. Um, it's just, it really speaks poorly of the of the Pittsburgh Penguins, their AHL affiliate, and their management team, which is headlined by Bill Guerin, who, by the way, was the man that replaced Stan Bowman for the U.S. Uh, national team general manager spot. So, it's... Not a great look to be to replace a guy accused of covering up a sexual abuse scandal to with a guy who is being accused of covering up a sexual abuse scandal. Like, can the U.S. national team get bring someone else that's uh, not have uh, any uh, dirt on their name? It's just I I honestly am just flabbergasted that um, it's hockey's just looked really bad this week, and this scandal is no different. And I'm really disgusted by what happened how the, the, the team handled it, how the upper management is doing nothing to protect the victim, and that we're even at, we're at this point now that, ugh, that we're seeing hockey culture showing its true colors, mm. and it's ugly. It's yeah. really ugly and disgusting. And, and like we were saying before, I totally understand why many people are, turn, are being turned off by the sport. Because these stories just keep piling on. More and more things keep happening. Like more qu- more hu- people in higher positions of influence have to answer questions and they're not giving us the answers we're looking for. Like at what point do we just see a massive overhaul? I, I know you said like it's, uh, it's, it's harder to see it. I to- I, and I totally agree. But at what point does uh, someone put the foot down and say enough's enough? We need to get this thing back on track. We need to make sure that this is this is a safe sport and a safe league for everyone. That everyone can come in, watch the sport, and that people, not only the players, but people in management, people in coaching positions, people related to said players or coaches, can can be there and feel safe. Like enough's enough of this. I can't. I'm I'm tired of all these stories. This is just absolutely ridiculous. And the more stories that come out, the more upset I am. Because I do not want to see this sport continue to just continue to let people down. 100%. That's what that's it. It comes at the day. Mm-hmm. The sport is letting people down. And these people in higher up positions are doing absolutely nothing to make it be- a better and safer place. 100%. Um, you pretty much nailed that, like those thoughts. And that's exactly my thoughts. So as we wrap up this episode, I'm just going to close close it on these thoughts that we love love hockey we love the game 
you and me both and so many others. And I guess that's why mm-hmm. we feel so strongly about it. we are not hating on the game of hockey. We're hating on the culture of hockey because it is, um, is not a safe space for everyone. And I'll just leave it at, you know, because we care so much about it, we can only hope somehow that it improves because it is not improving as, as much as they want us to think it's improving. It's really not improving. So I'll leave it at that. We will see how it plays out. And I think we'll end today's episode on that note. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of important discussions held here today. Um, And just to wrap up, you can follow us, tweet us, talk to us, whatever message us, everything on Twitter, on our podcast, Twitter at behind the net pod. You can also do the same for me on Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. And hopefully when we come back for our next episode, it'll be a lighthearter conversation and uh, we'll get to talk about the news. But um, if there is another serious topic, you best believe that we'll be ready to discuss it and go in depth about it. Just as we do with um, this Blackhawk scandal, we'll be keeping a close eye on it and continuing to following that story as we will with this Pittsburgh Penguins story and their AHL affiliate and any others that come up. Best believe if more developments come around, we'll be ready to discuss it. 100%. So uh, with that, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you all uh, next episode. Take care, guys.